Well, hello, everyone. This is JB with NBW Ministries on this Saturday, January the 6th, a rare weekend podcast here at Not By Works. It's January 6th, 2024. And as always, we are proclaiming the clear, accurate, and urgent gospel message from my studio beneath the sky, tucked away under the tall timbers of Colorado. And uh, the reason we're coming online today is I've got just a a wonderful guest uh, who I have admired and benefited from from afar for many years, who will be no stranger to our listeners, and that's uh, L.A. Marzulli. And I first met L.A. about a year and a half ago at a Prophecy Watchers conference where I was uh, privileged to be one of the speakers and just found him to be one of the most gracious guys you'll ever meet. you know, certainly expected no less, um, but it was surreal for me because I have uh, followed uh, L.A. and Russ Dizdar for many years. Uh, actually went to a conference where they were speaking one time and just uh, re- referred to them in my books, cited them often and benefited from their research. And so I'm just delighted uh, uh, to get to, to get to meet him. And of course, uh, Russ is with the Lord now. That was pretty tragic. But Anyway, L.A. uh, is going to be talking today with us about Are the Nephilim Walking Among Us? And to kind of set the stage for what we're going to be talking about, just a couple of verses that I know uh, L.A. will probably refer to in his comments. Obviously, it all begins with Genesis 3.15, when uh, God is talking to the serpent after the fall of man, and he says, I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed— He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel, or literally, uh, you shall crush his head is the idea there. And a fascinating passage. Uh, We've all, you know, I'm a theologian by trade, uh, spent years in academics and certainly focused on the seed of the woman and the capitalization there or veiled reference to the virgin birth and the ultimate uh, Messiah. But uh, in recent years, uh, thanks to guys like L.A., I've really been focusing on uh, the seed of the serpent. And so we're going to get him to maybe comment on that. And then, of course, uh, Genesis 6-4. Uh, I've been studying this since my first time in seminary 30 years ago, when I, for the first time, came to realize that there really was an incursion of fallen angels who really did sleep with uh, human women and really did produce a race of giants called the Nephilim. And those giants were not, contrary to what a lot of uh, conservative theologians might want to believe, they were not all destroyed in the flood, at least not completely, because Genesis 6-4 says there were giants on the earth in those days and also afterward, uh, when the sons of God came to the daughters of men and bore them children. Those were the mighty men of old, men of renown. So, uh, L.A., uh, thanks so much for joining us today. Really looking forward to our discussion. Well, thanks for having me here. It's always an honor. Thank so you, you betcha. So what precipitated our uh, me reaching out, of course, was all of the uh, hubbub in the news over the last couple of days about the incident in Miami. And uh, you uh, put out a short uh, video yesterday just sort of addressing it. And so I wanted to start by seeing if you've had any uh, updates, uh, you know, any any what's the latest? Have you received any intel? I received. Um, uh, let me see if I can dig it up here. There was one. One shot that um, I'm getting ready to record some shows here, as you can see. So it's um, this came through. Um, I reached out to my cousin whose husband has been a police officer in Miami for years now. I'm going to copy her uh, to reply to me for you here. Just spoke to blank. He says that no eight to ten foot creatures were seen. A large group of like 30 juveniles or more went into the area and started setting off fireworks in the mall. 
Customers started calling because they thought there were gunshots. Mm. The juveniles were causing chaos in the mall, breaking in the stores, stealing and looting. So it's an area that a lot of tourists go to. All those officers were dispatched with a possibility of a terrorist attack. That's why so many officers responded. They were unaware of what was really happening, so they dispatched a large amount of officers in case of a terrorist attack. Four of the juveniles were caught and charged with grand theft, and he goes on from there. Um, there was no blackout. Uh, the air traffic was still working, and basically they go on from there. So what we're what we're looking at, um, there's, and, and you know, some of these people, it's clickbait. Let's face it, and and you know, I like you. I'm on social media, and click, you know, having a lot of clicks is always good, but it's not about. I don't want to have clicks if truth is thrown to the street. Mm. I'm just saying something or promulgating something. So people will go, oh, wow, let's click this because L.A. said the Nephilim are walking around in Miami. We don't know that. Um, something, where did this story, where's the nexus of it for the first, you know, where did it really start? Who started spreading this? And we don't even know that. There was a woman, I forget her name. She's got a huge following and, you know, she's very pretty and, and the whole deal. And she, she knows how to work the cameras and she knows how to work it. And, uh, you know, she promulgated the idea that there were 10 foot aliens walking around. Then there was another guy who was saying he was there and he was running and he looked behind them and there were shadows and the shadows were sort of jumping through space and everybody was freaked out. And then later on, a couple of days later, he said, I've never been to Miami. So it's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah I tell you what it's, you know, it's it's amazing how much misinformation and disinformation there is out there. And as you said yesterday, you posted uh, Friday a, a short little you know addressing yeah. it because it was all over the news, especially yeah. in the prophecy realm. It's something that you know interested people. And you were very clear. Look, we don't know what we're dealing with here, and, and now it seems like uh, we still don't know. We may never know all the facts, but it sure seems like there's uh, you know another side to the story, and maybe it all has an. an innocent, so to speak, or natural explanation and not a supernatural one. But uh, nevertheless, and, and that's very helpful, by the way. Uh, so they were set. So it, it looks like now the airport was not shut down. There was no blackout. Those types of things were just uh, false reports. Yeah, that's, and, and this is this is problematic, you know, unless unless you've got someone on the ground, boots on the ground, but you trust who was there or in the vicinity that can go there, talk to people. It's, it's up in the air. I don't have anybody that I know in Miami, but I got this email from this person. Um, and it seems like, okay, it was a false flag in the sense that they thought it might be a terrorist attack with everything going on. Um, and, and you remember you've got multiple fireworks going off. That can sound like, yes, you've got, you've got 10 shooters in the building because yeah. that that's what it can sound like, especially yeah. in a mall where everything, reverberates and echoes that can be terrifying so people begin to flee from a, from a sound and the police they don't know what they're looking at you know somebody says there's there's a bunch of use they're blowing up firecrackers somebody else we've heard gunshots so what do you believe you know what the police don't know what to believe so right. on the side of caution you know all cars it's an all points bulletin go here now let's let's figure out what's going on um there was one video I saw, a typical bunch of cowards. There's a bunch of black guys, 20 people, 20 blacks, male and female, kicking the you-know-what out of some poor white guy. Mm. And he stands and he tries to block, and then he goes down. And when he goes down, 
that's when the kicking starts. Mm. So whether or not he's going to, and if you say something like that, you know, you label me a racist. Well, why, why is it when we see that, can you imagine if it was flipped and there were 20 white guys kicking the living, you know what, out of a black guy, we'd never yeah. hear the end of it. But when it's reversed, it's buried. We don't hear anything about it. And yeah. that's just wrong. It's wrong on both fronts. I don't care whether the people are green. This is it's lawlessness. And what we're seeing is the rise of lawlessness in ways that I've never seen before. I'm 73. I've never seen this, never seen this at all. Not like we have today. And of course, that's one of the signs, one of the checkpoints of of the end time. So where I, what I think is going on here, um, you know, you've, you've got two stories. You've got the one story, bunch of bunch of. Crazy teenagers are out there looting, blowing up. Because, you know, you do that, you create chaos. Then they rush into the stores. They get all the stuff. Nobody does it. And it's happening all over America, this type of this, this type of gang mentality. And when you're when you're running in a pack of wolves like that, you know, you're doing you're under this. You're you're like a a, a different entity than mm-hmm. you are if you're just one person. You're it's pack and herd mentality. And that can be terrifying. So I think right now I lean towards the natural explanation. Uh, I'm not going to call them juveniles. I'm going to call them what they are, hoodlums. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what they are. They're hoodlums. They're they're, um, miscreants and and some other words we could use. They're just, you know, they're they're the purveyors of lawlessness. But that's what I think happened in Miami. And somehow the story got, you know, 10 foot yeah, it is plausible that if you have all these fireworks going off and you get dozens and dozens of calls to 911 from people announcing, hey, there's gunshots, which they might have thought. I don't know what you're looking at. But of course, there's going to be a huge response. Has to be. Has and, to be. Uh, so I think uh, I think that's probably uh, probably the correct assessment now. But notwithstanding that uh, and, and who better to address this issue than you, uh, it certainly is possible that we could have Nephilim walking among us. And so talk to us a little bit about uh, kind of other examples that you're aware of, like the Kandahar giant, where we've got sightings of either living sort of bipedal humanoid-like giants or even skeletal remains. And all three I've investigated, and all three I have I have evidence. Some of it is, is you know, shooters, the Kandahar giant, one of the shooters, but I interviewed a gentleman yesterday, and I'll, I'll air that this week on the Amitrail of Nephilim on our YouTube channel. And this 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 man who's he's a Christian, he was born in Afghanistan. The family moved to Pakistan, and from Pakistan, they migrated to the United States. His grandmother lives in Kandahar. His father was brought up in Kandahar. His father knew all about the giant. His grandmother was a witch and would bring animals to where the cave was and leave the animals there for the giant to kill and eat. Now, I've heard this before, but to actually meet Ray, who's the man whose grandmother was a witch, um, is is profound because, it once again, it, it validates the story from another angle. Instead of the shooter... And I mean, I've I've had shooters come to me. I've had helicopter pilots come to me off the record, and I know why. I've been threatened by the deep state because of the Kandahar 
giant story. They didn't like that at all. Mm-mm. That's what got no, us. And, and let me let me interject here because some of our listeners may not be familiar with this context. It was some time ago. I think it was 2016 when you first really broke the story. But uh, th- so the the basic framework is a 2002 Afghanistan war. U.S. troops allegedly. Um, uh, come upon this, what was it, 13-foot, uh, red-haired, bizarre creature with six fingers on each hand and two rows of teeth. And and uh, I guess he killed one soldier, and then the soldiers found him in this cave and then opened fire on him and eventually killed him. But when they brought it back to the, uh, to the base, they pretty much took the body away immediately and then made all the soldiers sign an NDA and it was hush hush and it was nothing to see her move along. Um, But as you said, you've got eyewitness accounts, people you've interviewed that uh, I think there's clearly something uh, to this story. And especially knowing what all we know, both biblically, of course, it always starts with the Bible. Anything that contradicts the Bible, we've got to dismiss. But this not only con- not only does not contradict the Bible, it goes hand in glove with what God's Word has to say about these creatures. Uh, and then you've got lots of other uh, evidence from your research and your documentaries that that show you know these things exist. Am I right? Yeah, you are right. And and the bottom line is. Um, we don't know how old the giant of Kandahar was. In other words, when the diaspora happens, when and this and you were there at, at the Prophecy Watchers conference, and and the Lord had just given me this, um, and I shared it with the audience, and I've been sharing it, you know, again. I'll share it now that we you mentioned the seed war, Genesis 3:15. Well, that seed war erupts from the other side in Genesis 6, and then it continues. And continues all throughout history until we get to Abraham, because God is just incredibly patient. He's it's amazing how you know when you say long suffering, it's like whoa. I mean, He allows this stuff to go on, and then boom, the, the, the curtain comes down, as it were. And He says to Abraham, and you know the verse, you're going to be a great nation, but you're going to get out of Egypt for 400 years. And so the sin of the Amorites comes into its fullness. So you know the seed is in Abraham. Abraham is tapped out. From your lineage, from your line, that's where Messiah is going to come out. Until that point, nobody knows where the seed of the woman is actually going to come from. No one knows at this point. But Abraham's tapped out, and now the enemy's got something in his sights, which is why the whole slavery thing and Pharaoh, we could go down that rabbit trail, killing all the firstborn and all this stuff, it gets crazy because the war is very, it's, it's, it's like the two sides. But 400 years later, whatever, you got the 12 tribes of Israel, a couple of million people coming out of Egypt. And what's amazing about this, it's a full-blown manifestation of the seed war at the gates of the promised land. Mm-hmm. You've got the 12 tribes. We still don't really know where which one, where Messiah is going to come from. But the 12 tribes, the seed of Abraham, full-blown, couple of million people standing there. But in the promised land, the Nephilim tribes are there. This is like this, like both sides of a seed war meeting together in the field of battle for the first time. I mean, when it's like, oh my gosh, when the Lord gave me that, I just just blew my mind. Mm-hmm. So most of us know the story. Guys like um, um, what's his name, the uh, the evolutionist. Um, oh, I can't think. Darwin. Of well, not not Darwin, but this is he's one of the leading guys of the twenty first. 20th, 21st century. Um, he sat down with Ben Stein. He's virulently anti-Christian, and he talks about, and he uses what appears to be genocide 
in the conquest of, of Canaan. He uses that and says it's genocide. But if they're not human, then it's not genocide. We're looking at something else, right? Uh, messing with the genome. Yeah, uh, crypt Richard Dawkins. Richard Dawkins. Yeah, Richard. Dawkins. Yeah, we would call it crypticide or something like that. Well, there you go. <laughs> so is it possible, and we know that there was a diaspora of these of the Nephilim. We know that. We know that I believe that they came to Paracas. There's the skull right behind me. That's that's a model of one. I would never have something like that in my house. Trust me. <laughs> there, there, there's stuff attached to all these things and all these sites. There's no doubt. But the big guys, did they flee? Did some of them flee? When you look on a map, you know, it, it's you're not going to walk to Afghanistan in a couple of days. But if you're being chased and hunted and, and you're running because you don't want to be killed, you know, and you take a couple of guys with you and you wind up in Afghanistan in a very remote area. And according to the guy that I spoke to yesterday, Ray, his grandmother stated to his father. So it's third hand information. The grandmother's a witch. The father heard all these stories. Ray never met his grandmother, but he heard about the stories from his father. That's where it's passed down. According to the grandmother, that giant and giants had been there for, for generations. Mm. His, his words, for mm. generations. So is it possible that that thing came from 3,000 years ago, 3,500 years ago? My answer to that is, if it's Nephilim, first of all, they're immortal on, on, some, on some level. Can you kill them? Yeah, you can kill them. But because of the mixing of 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 immortal DNA with with you know you, you've got this hybrid entity, and so can you you can kill them like David and Goliath, another Nephilim, but how 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 long do they live? We don't know. We we just don't yeah. know. So I've always been under the impression uh, that you know the Nephilim as hybrids could could shape shift or or skinwalk or whatever you want to call it, as I talk about in my books, and, and therefore. Uh, that's the reason, for example, we don't have a biological body of of, of uh, Bigfoot and that kind of stuff. But at but like any angelic being, both good and bad, they can be trapped within time, space, and matter if you catch them at the right time. So so we do have bodies, as you well know, of some of these uh, evil fallen uh, beings. But am I correct at at the core that Nephilim are can take on material form and shapeshift back into spirit form, or are they locked into the biological? I think, in my opinion, and, and see, this is the problem. I, I make fun of this, but we can't sit down with a fallen angel and interview them and go, what's going on? You know, tell <laughs> us what's happening. It's not going to happen on this side of eternity. Yeah. We're just not going to know. But based on decades of research, it's my opinion that fallen angels are the ones Metascus monocyte. They can shapeshift. They can appear as male, female, um, a, a god, a goddess, whatever. They can, they can, metascus monocyte is the Greek word. So they can shapeshift. And we know the biblical text for that would be uh, that Satan himself can appear as an angel of light. So, so I get that. And, you know, the, when the good guys appear, like when Jesus taps out Abraham, there were two angels that appear. They look like men. Paul tells us that. You know, some of you have entertained angels unawares. I mean, I had an encounter uh, about two years ago uh, on, when I was skiing uh, in March, and um, it was spring conditions. There was nobody there, nobody. So I was going up the mountain and then coming right back down, hopping on the chairlift. But the only only guy on the chairlift 
up and down and up and down. It was just fantastic. The snow conditions were kind of, eh, it's spring, but I digress. <laughs> so I'm, I'm in the line. There's really no line. I'm skiing right up to hop on the chair. And behind me, I hear, hey, mind if I join you? <laughs> oh, no, come on up. Come on up. Yeah, good. So this guy comes up, and it's a, it's a four-seat chair. So I'm here. These two seats are empty, and he's here. So there's there's L.A. There's there's my new friend, and these two seats are empty. Uh-oh, L.A.'s doing Masonic symbols. <laughs> your life. So let the rumors start. <laughs> let the rumors start. Here we go. How dare you? So, um, he goes, how many days have you had skiing? And first of all, he's got white hair and a white beard. He's wearing a skin-tight racing ski uniform, skin-tight. I mean, the guy's on, in great shape, and he looks older. I'm 73. He looks older than me. And he goes, how many days have you had skiing this year? I got to puff up my chest. I've had about 12 to 14, you know. And he goes, oh, I've had 125 days, which means this guy is skiing every single day. So is he the, the angel of the ski slopes? I don't know. We'll get into that. So. So he goes, I guess you must still be working, right? Now, I've never met this guy before. I have no idea who this guy is. I've never, I see, I've, you know, and he's, and he's, and I, and I go, yeah, I'm still working. What do you do? Well, I make documentary films. I'm thinking to myself, oh, here we go. <laughs> and he goes, well, what are they on? And I go, well, they're on the Nephilim. So strike one, he doesn't ask, what's the Nephilim? He just goes, have you ever heard of itchy boots? And I go, itchy boots? He goes, yeah, she's got 1.2 million followers. And every time she does a, a YouTube video, she gets three or 400,000 hits. And I go, wow, that's way out of my, my league. That's what I say. So then never met this guy before. By this time, you know, the chair is about halfway up. Okay. And I'm getting a little what I would call brain fog. I'm having trouble focusing and I'm not sure why. And I'd never met this guy before. And he reaches over with his hand. So he's, on, he's on the other side of the chair. I've never met this man before. Strike one, whatever Nephilim, he never asked. Strike two, he begins to touch me. You don't do that to people that you don't know. You, just, you, know, you don't do that. He reaches over and he touches my shoulder and he goes, no, you're doing the right thing. And again, keep doing what you're doing. That's the second touch. The third touch, you're on the right track. He touches me three times. And I'm sitting there going like, what is going on here? Hmm. You know, who is this guy? <clears throat> and we got off the chair. Never saw him again. And that birth, supernatural confrontations. That's wow. that's how that whole thing began. And, yeah. you know, can I prove it was an angel? <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I mean, we've all got stories, uh, you know, like that. And like you said, uh, in Hebrews, we learned that, you know, good angels uh, can can manifest as human beings as well. So uh, so the Nephilim, uh, you know, you would say, yeah, they're walking among us. Um, how prevalent is that bloodline? Uh, I'm sure you're familiar with Fritz Springmeier and some of his work, the bloodlines of the Illuminati and so forth. Uh, is it an overstatement to say that a lot of the Luciferian elite, as they like to call themselves, and as I refer to them in my books, could possibly be hybrids? You know, again, there's a lot of speculation and we don't know. And that's a very dangerous um, kind of theater to start walking into 
because, well, you know, we should just kill all the Nephilim. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like, whoa, wait a minute here, you know, calm down. On the other hand, the stories that have come across my my desk from credible witnesses, um, specifically Al Matthews, which is in our films on UFOs. Al was taken from six years old onward, and he had an encounter with a female hybrid. I mean, there's no doubt. And we've heard this before. Dr. David Jacobs is a secular researcher, ufologist. Um, he basically wrote a book called Walking Amongst Us. Hmm. And in his opinion, they're here, they're manifesting, they're walking amongst us. So I, I remember asking that question to the late Chuck Missler, Dr. Chuck Missler going, Chuck, you know, what about the abductions? What about the hybrids? Without missing a beat, Chuck said, Satan's out number two to one, he's building an army. And I agree with that. That's that's what we're looking at here. And in our film on cattle mutilations, we and I, I I keep saying this, I keep waiting for someone to email me and go, no, LA, you're not the first person to ever put this together. So this is this is where I heard it. And then give me the chapter and verse from you know the, the resource where you heard it from. In my opinion, we are the first people that have ever come up with the the link here between the abduction phenomena and the cattle mutilation. So <clears throat> in our in our series number four on abductions, we sit down with Karen Wilkinson. Karen was abducted from the time she was six. She was impregnated by them three times. In the third month of pregnancy, she was reabducted and they took the baby from her. Mm. The baby can't live outside the womb at mm. three months. Can't mm. do that. So the cattle mutilations, this is our work on cattle mutilations. We know that bovine blood, cow blood, can be used in human transfusions. Genetic material is taken from the cow. So that's when the light bulb went off and obviously Holy Spirit going, they are creating artificial wombs. Mm -hmm. And so they're creating artificial wombs with the blood, with the genetic material. They take that baby, they stick it in an artificial womb. There's your hybrid and yeah. it grows to maturity. And of course, now we're doing that here on earth. We're doing it now. Exactly. In real science. So, yeah. yeah. So it's not implausible at all. I think that's a fascinating documentary that you put together on the cattle mutilations. By the way, uh, for those of you that don't know, you can go to lamarzuli.net, lamarzuli.net, and you can purchase his uh uh, his DVDs and so forth. He didn't ask me to say that, but I just, I Thank believe you. it's worth everybody, uh, you know, getting those. He's doing some cutting edge research. I've been fascinated from you. I can remember 20 years ago, I think I've got the timetable, right? Listening to you on uh, places like Coast when I would, Coast Coast, yeah. I was teaching uh, yeah. full time and I taught night classes. And so I would have late night, you know, drive. I'd listen to it live on the broadcast radio and and it was just always fascinating to me. And again, you know, I'm a biblicist at heart, as we all should be. So I, I would run everything through the grid of Scripture. And it's still, you know, a process of connecting the dots and and trying to figure it out. But uh, back to the Nephilim, do you believe, as uh, as some do, including our colleague Ryan Peterson, that 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 maybe the Antichrist could be a Nephilim? No, I do. Chuck Chuck Messer was the first person I ever heard to make that boast. He would say that. That there's that the, the Antichrist would boast some sort of an alien connection. Well, you know, alien, whatever. He's mm -hmm. a hybrid, the son of perdition, the seed of the dragon. Yeah. You know, that's <laughs> he's he's a hybrid. In yeah. My, that's oh, what it he makes does. perfect sense. Yeah. Well, I, I know we're about out of time because I want to respect your time, but I've got so many questions. One more I want to ask you about is uh is David Grush. You know, he sure seems credible to me. 
And and I know George Knapp, who I'm sure you know, he's interviewed him and he finds him to be very credible. Uh, do you believe that we have these, you know, uh, hybrid bodies that have that we've somehow gotten our hands on either through crashed uh, demonic, you know, craft or other means? Is that is that what you're talking about in there? OK, right good. Here. we actually we actually show the David Grush film, the clip. Yeah. Yeah, and I showed that at the Prophecy Watchers conference. These are now available. They're they're cutting edge films. Give them, give us the name because we're going to post this both as video and as audio for the audio crowd. It's it's uh, revisiting Roswell exoneration, which is where we delve into what happened to Jesse Marcel Sr. He was a patsy, and then in the debris field, we actually found two pieces of the metal buried mm. in the ground. They didn't get it all. Mm. We had the metal tested in a lab, two different labs. And it's you got to watch the film before I'll spoil the beat. Awesome, but awesome, it's awesome. It's an alloy that we don't have yet. Not so, found on Earth that we know. Yeah, we know. right. So yeah, um, yeah. With with the idea of of David Grush, that clip is in the film, and you would think that that my phone and, and your phone and Ryan Peterson's phone and others would be ringing off the hook. It's not, mm -hmm. and and that's alarming. Um, granted, Grush has never seen them, it's but it, so it's secondhand information. But we've known about the bodies forever. Um, this right. is why we talked, made the made the whole UFO film. I mean, this is for a ufologist like myself. Dare I call myself a ufologist? But I am. I mean, I've been doing this forever, and we've known about the bodies, the retrieved bodies. We also have a clip from uh, Jim and Carolyn Rankin, who are in San Antonio. And Jim and Carol and their pastors, they were involved in end-of-life um, ministry with mm. people. And one of their clients was Colonel Hill. Colonel mm -hmm. Hill was, was in OSS, which is the forerunner of the CIA, in World War II. He spoke, I think, four different or five different languages. He had four different degrees, uh, sociology, philosophy, two of us, I forget what they were, real smart guy. So according to this is a deathbed confession, he died several months after or a month after he spilled the beans to Carolyn one day. Carolyn asked him, what about Roswell? And Colonel Hill said, what about it? And Carolyn said, was it a weather balloon? And he said, it wasn't a weather balloon. And we all know that. Those of us, and that's why we the film on Roswell, Exoneration, that, that's what we do. We really delve into the, the fact that Marcel Sr. was nothing more than a patsy. And it, it's, again, it's, it's not armchair research. We, we take the film crew and we go up to Montana and we interviewed Jesse Marcel Jr.'s widow and his daughter and his best friend. And then then my, my correspondence with Marcel, we reenact that. So the bottom line is Colonel Hill was flown to Roswell within 48 hours after the crash. And he tried to communicate one. There were two that he saw. One was still alive. He tried to communicate it and, and couldn't. But we've got, and in the film, we show this in the film, Exoneration. I mean, I keep, this is like, you know, it's, there's no other film like this that, that I'm aware of that really gets into the whole Roswell deal. And we show the, 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 the picture of General Ramey and, um, uh, Jesse Marcel Sr. And Ramey's got a telegram in his hand. Well, yeah, and you can I, see it. Yeah. See it. But, you know, this is in, in 1947. So the cameras are way back here 
And Raimi's going, nobody can read this. He could care less, right? Well, that was in 47. Fast forward, you know, 60, 60 years, whatever, and you get David Rudiak with the help of a computer blowing that thing up. And it says, disc, retrieve bodies, disc, right, Pat. Everything that we know, because the Rankins asked Colonel Hill, well, where did the records go? The records went to Wright Pat. At the time, it was just Wright Field. It wasn't called Wright Patterson. Right. And we've got. Let me just let me just read you something here. This this just came in today. Um, <laughs> just, you can't. You just can't make this stuff up. It's fascinating. Yeah. This this came in today, and we keep all the names completely out of it. Dear LA, I'm 74. My older brother is 84. We grew up in Dayton, Ohio. Back in the 60s, he briefly worked at Wright Pat Air Force Base in a laboratory setting. He told us years later that there was a sealed off top secret area that he was warned never to try to enter under great penalty and termination. He later learned that there were biologics housed there that had been retrieved from crash sites, including biologics from the Roswell site. He was not to speak of it to anyone. He told his family only years later. Mm -hmm. um, it's got to be fascinating to you guys like you, L.A., that have studied this for so many decades to see in living color, your United States Congress, you know, yeah. having talking about this under oath with guys, oath. Like David Grush saying, hey, put me in a skiff and I'll I'll give you all the dirt. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it to me, it's a sign of the times. And and, and I'll close with this. I mean, the reason they're not calling you is because, in my opinion, the the mainstream you know government authorities and the military they all are buying into the alien concept you know you and and i and others come from a dimensional frame of view but i know for a fact that because i've interviewed a guy that worked for the space force when it first started he moved to colorado and i, I talked to him off the record and I know for a fact, those guys are scared out of their wits right now. They have no idea what they're dealing with. That's the reason Trump started the Space Force. They feel like there's a threat that they cannot explain. We have no weapons that can come close to stopping it. And so they're, you know, they're putting all this out there now after 70 plus years of lying about it and denying they were studying it. They're now putting it out there. And I really believe we are, you know, we are headed towards some type of you know, event that basically they blame on some type of alien invasion. I mean, is that I, your I take? Too. No, yeah. I, I do too. I think, um, and I, I said this at the last Prophecy Watchers, and I, I'll be saying this at every conference this year, because I think we're right in the window of time where this could happen. First of all, let's let's talk about the here and now, then we'll go back in the scripture with a couple of proof, proof texts there. I use that <laughs> language, but whatever. So, we know that there that the powers that be on the planet, Ukraine, Russia, Kim Jong Un, and others, Iran, the saber rattling with nukes, dirty nukes, whatever, that that's that's a reality. In 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 2023, 2024, that's a reality. That the threat of a nuke going off somewhere. It's not like it was, you know, okay, cold walls are over. No, we got cool heads. Nobody's going to, it's all good. You know, <clears throat> go, go get your latte and you know, drive off into the sunset. We're not there. And the fact that they're saber rattling this stuff is unbelievable. Then we know that the whole they, the pilots that Grush talks about, the biologics, 
which are meat suits, in my opinion. They're avatars where the demons can inhabit. But that's a three-hour conversation. <laughs> so, and we only have a few minutes. So we know that they're obsessed in some ways with, with nuclear sites, nuclear <laughs> rockets. We know that. Uh, we broke the story in our Watchers series with Robert Salas. We broke the story. Mm-hmm. When Salas came on, he talked about not Bill Salas, Robert Salas. Right, Robert Salas. I cite him in the book uh, from Montana. Yeah. yeah, And he was up in Montana where that UFO appeared. And, you know, he signed a non-disclosure agreement and he's spilling the beans to us in our Watchers series. And this thing, the saucer turned off all nine or all 10 intercontinental ballistic missiles. How is that possible? Here's here's what I think. It's conjecture. We know that when Jesus is alive and he's casting out the demons from the man of the tombs, and they, the, the, you know, we are legion. Who are you, legion? We are many. And they say, what if, what if you, you know, what if, what if you have to do with us, um, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to torment us before the time? Mm. What does that mean? What? Why would they say that? Have you come to torment us before the time? Is it possible? Is it possible that they know that this is not the time of their torment? They can look around and they know that this is not the time. Now, remember, we're we're caught in the space-time continuum, but they're not. Is it possible they're not all-knowing, they can't see the future, but is it possible, well, they can see some of the future, but they're not all-knowing. But is it possible that they know that in the time of their being dealt with, as it were, doesn't look anything like it does 2,000 years ago? So they know it's not the time. Then you go and you, you skip over to where Satan is cast down to earth, woe to the inhabitants of earth, because the devil is coming with great wrath, because he knows his time is short. How does he know that? So you, you put these two things together and then plug the UFO thing in and where we are. And is it possible that their obsession with nukes, because that's their that's when they get let out of the gate. When a nuke goes off, that's when they manifest. Now, that's conjecture. Yeah. No, manifest. I have no doubt there's a connection and we have a lot of evidence for that. Uh, my my uh, take is that 19, the reason the modern UFO era started in 1947 is you have two key things that happen. Israel. You have well, you have the atomic bombs earlier. Atomic bomb, right? You know, if you're a demon spirit up in the second heaven, uh, you're you're going to see that. You could see yeah. it from outer space, and so Satan sends out these reconnaissance missions to go, "What's going on?" Then they get down here, and because again, as you said, they're not omniscient and they're not omnipresent. Right. So they get down there and they hear all this talk about Israel becoming a nation again for the first time in 1800 years. Satan knows the Bible; he knows Israel plays a key role in the end times. So you've got Israel becoming a nation, atomic weapons both happening right. around that time, and all of a sudden. Boom, there's this flurry of paranormal and, and UFO UAP type activity. And and I think it's a sign of the times that we're getting closer. I agree. So I'm right there with you. Well, LA, you are awesome for giving so much of your time. I'd love to uh, connect again for another a dialogue in the future, if you're willing. I absolutely. And, um, but we'll get, we'll get this posted today. Bottom line, are the Nephilim walking among us? Absolutely. Yes. 
Did the Nephilim show up at the Gap store in Miami? Probably not, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, who knows? Uh, it's still a lot of conflicting reports, but, uh, you know, uh, you know, so we've got some logical explanations for a lot of those reports, but uh, uh, definitely a lot of spiritual warfare and spiritual activity going on. So, brother, we, we appreciate you. We're praying for you. I'll see you in a few weeks in uh, Orlando. Yeah. Yeah, in Orlando, and, uh, be great. My family will be with me. Look forward to hearing uh, your messages. Uh, my son is more excited about hearing you than me. So, <laughs> just, just so you know, he's he's 22, and I'm sure he can't oh, really hear the stuff you're talking about. So, all right, brother, God bless you, and God to the rest you. of our audience, uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, spread the word, and let me close by just reminding you. I know this is a topic that you know so many people are interested in. It's it's really gaining steam, and a lot of you might be stumbling upon this podcast, and and maybe you don't know the Lord. Let me encourage you that now more than ever, you need to examine your relationship with the Lord Jesus. If you've never placed your faith in Jesus Christ, the Son of God who died and rose again for your sins, mm. today's the day. He's the Amen. only He's the only hope. Uh, you can't work your way in. You can't get there by being good or, uh, you know, somehow walking an aisle or signing a card or raising a hand. You got to have personal faith alone in Jesus Christ. I hope you'll trust him today. God bless everyone. God bless LA. Thanks so much. Thank you. Take